When you become a widow, the heartache can be overwhelming. You feel lost, you feel broken, you feel alone, and sometimes you feel like the pain will never go away. I believe that every widow has the capacity to endure, the power to overcome, and the determination to create a new life filled with meaning and purpose. That's why I wanted to create a show called Widow 180. People tell me they come here for the positivity. They listen to Widow 180, the podcast, to be inspired. They come to Widow 180 to be reminded that they have options, that the pain of loss is not a life sentence. Widow 180 is about turning tragedy, loss, and fear into strength, creativity, and a new passion for life. My mission each week is to arm you with these powerful stories of transformation and knowledge so that you can navigate life after loss. I'm Jen Zwink. I'm so glad you're listening. Let's get to the episode. Hello and welcome back, listeners. Last week, we talked about how experiencing the loss of a spouse can cause us to lose confidence in ourselves, and we let self-doubt and fear run our lives. We let fear guide our decisions, and then we get frustrated with ourselves for feeling so weak. And I wanted to remind you guys that my new course is out. It's called Rebuilding Confidence After Loss, where you will learn how to have confidence in what we can control, how to believe in yourself again, how to feel empowered, how to feel capable and trust yourself to move forward into a new life with confidence, not fear. Go over to www.widow180.com forward slash confidence to get more information and to get the course for only $24. That's www.widow180.com forward slash confidence. Oh, and don't forget, if you become a member of the Widow Connection community, you gain full access to all of these courses because they're included in your membership. It's not just the courses. You get group coaching, guest speakers, awesome peer support. We would love to have you in there. So if you're feeling like you need some extra help and support from other widows who get what you're going through, this is the place for you. Sign up at www.widow180.com forward slash membership. That's www.widow180.com forward slash membership. Now on to today's episode. Speaking of the Widow Connection community, today's episode is from one of the sessions we recently had with one of our amazing guest speakers, Nora Pleasant. Oh my goodness. I just love her. Nora came into the community to talk to our group, not just because she's a gracious, kind-hearted soul, but she also had some profound words of advice and wisdom to share with our group. Nora is a wellness and meditation coach who teaches women, not just widows, but women to slow down, to be more centered, to be grounded in the moment, to invite in more peace. She helps and coaches women on worry and overwhelm and stress. And during our hour with Nora, she led us in a powerful guided meditation. It was awesome. And she is so, so good at it. Her voice, I'm telling you, and her tone, it's so calming. I just love her. But she also had so much advice for our group on how we can manage stress. I wanted to share with all of you part of this meeting that we had with Nora where she does a reading from her book, Be Still and Soar. Let's take a listen. To slow down, to calm down, to create their own individual toolbox that they can utilize 
in ways that work for them to be able to manage what's happening. And the managing on the outside is one thing, but the managing on the inside is where many of us um, falter. You know, we're so good at getting things done. And then the internal strife, the internal exhaustion. I have found that with working with women that we suffer from woe, W-O-E, woe. And so the course that I, I, I offer people is called From Woe to Flow. And the woe is worry, overwhelm, exhaustion. And that seems to be the trifecta of, of challenges that women face regardless of the circumstances in their life. There's just that thread of that worry, 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 and that overwhelm and that exhaustion. So one of the things that um, I did in the last few years as I've been building my company, it's called Be Still and Soar Consulting, after the name of my book that just came out called Be Still and Soar. And I thought I would start with reading a short chapter about worrying because worrying is pretty universal. And I must say that um, women carry the load. Men worry, but women worry and worry and worry. And they worry, you know, from the day the baby is born or their parent gets ill or their, you know, husband gets fired from a job, anything that causes us to worry, then really um, sinks in and it's impossible to get out of that swirl. So this chapter is called Worrier or Warrior. Dear all, are you a worrier or a warrior? I have been a worrier my entire life. When I first heard the word catastrophizing, I felt understood. That's exactly what I would do. Imagine the worst possible outcome of a situation and convince myself of its probability. I am not alone. Worrying is universal. In fact, our nervous systems are set up to worry. So how do we manage this debilitating habit? My meditation practice has been hugely helpful, and I can say that I am less of a worrier and more of a warrior than ever before. But worrying doesn't just go away. It kind of nestles its way into our brain on a pretty regular basis. Noticing when we begin to worry is very helpful. Pay attention to the moment a worry thought comes into your head. Then notice what emotion follows. And finally, see what's happening to the body when you have the worrisome thoughts. Sit down, close your eyes, and take several long, deep breaths, repeating Everything is all right on the inhalation right now on the exhalation. Repeat several times and see if the body relaxes, shaking off the tension and allowing you to breathe in more rational thinking. This is for you, Jeanette. As Janis Joplin, one of my favorite singers says, <laughs> you, <laughs> you can destroy your now by worrying about tomorrow. 
Worrying will never change the result. So it's definitely not worth doing. It's definitely worth doing what we can to unhook ourselves from the addictive habit of worrying. There are several things to try. Ask yourself, what do I believe? Then ask, is what I believe about the situation true? Consider whether there is a less negative way to think about the situation. Ask yourself, what would I tell a friend with this worry? Get up and move. Take a few conscious breaths. Meditate. Here's what Winston Churchill said about worrying. Quote, everyone remembers the remark of the old man at the point of death that his life had been full of troubles, most of which had never happened. Such a poignant message. May we all heed the wisdom of this Chinese proverb, that the birds of worry and care fly over your head, this you cannot change. But that they build a nest in your hair, this, they, this you can prevent. Here's to all of you with love and light, Nora. And that's from my book, Be Still and Soar. So worrying is just this loop and we need to find our way to settle into where we are, um, utilizing our senses, all five of our senses is one of the most effective ways to get out of that worry cycle to really, when you're doing everything is all right, right now, and then really focus on what do you see? What do you feel? What do you hear? What do you taste? And what can you touch really brings you into the present moment, which worrying is never about the present moment. By, by nature, it's about the a future event. In this next clip, Nora talks to us about stress and ways that we can combat stress. Here's what she has to say. Respond to threats. But what has happened in our society is now We'd, and then what would happen is the threat would be averted in whatever way women would do that. And then they would come back into the tribal center and they would be nurtured and cared for and given food. And, you know, people would bond together around a, a fire and, and complete, if you will, that stress cycle that had begun. What happens now is we never complete our stress cycle because we get on the internet and somebody didn't like our picture and then we get a call from the kid and then our parent is sick, sick and then, you know, there's a shooting and then it, there's, there's, we live in a perpetual state of it, which is not what our nervous systems are set up to master. They're not. And that's what leads to burnout. So, when you are feeling these things, you know, there, if you can try to um, complete the stress cycle, each one, <laughs> if you can, there's tremendous power of that. So what are the things you can do to complete a stress cycle? The obvious, meditate, breathe, go out in nature. When you, you know, a lot of um, 
Native American tribes start every day going outside and staring up into the sky for three minutes. It's a ritualistic. It is, it will 100% shift your perspective when you do that. You know, this whole tree hugging. I mean, it, it, it's because it works. You know, you remember how nature evolves. Nature, you know, is constant both. And there's that sense of your, you know, smallness in the face of the, the, the vastness of nature. Um, hugging, hugging a pet, hugging a child, hugging a spouse, hugging a um a stuffed animal hugging a pet, even holding one's own hand. Um, very, very helpful to complete that stress cycle. Laughing, turning on like a comedy central thing for five minutes. Boom. You're going to get out of that stress cycle and back to yourself. Crying. I, I started working with a new client this week, a woman who runs a massive business and has her husband has cancer and just going through so much. And I said, what's the crying thing? Like, what, what, when do you cry? To cry? Can't cry. Can't cry. People think that crying is that indulgent or that, you know, strong women don't cry. And it's really the opposite. Crying, you know, releases serotonin. I mean, it actually is a very helpful thing to do. And it also completes that stress cycle. So very, very important. Sleep. Um, not easy to sleep when, when you're stressed, but figure out ways to make sure that that happens. There are lots of CBD things now and, you know, meditation tapes, really, really important. Go to bed at the same time every night if you can. That really helps with that cycle. Um, and self-expression, you know, anything that you can do that feels expressive of yourself, any, and you don't have to be a painter. You can write, you can, um, you know, uh, bake, you can knit, you can do anything. They're actually also um, finding that just being part of someone else's expression can give you that same relief. So going to a museum, just looking at art, listening to music, you don't have to do the creation, but connecting to creativity itself. So lots and lots. I really loved having Nora come and talk to our group. I appreciate her so much. I appreciate everything that she's doing for women and for widows. And it was such a pleasure talking to her. So many things we can put into practice to help stress. And I really hope that you guys try these out. The last thing that I wanted to share with you today is an excerpt from Nora's book where she shares her own experience of grief after the recent loss of her brother. This is from a chapter called A Flood of Tears. I am so grateful that I finally know how to breathe, that I can find moments of peace when meditating allowing whatever feelings I have to just be there. I walked on the beach today, my place of healing and transformation, and saw a school of dolphins leaping in their elegant, lyrical way. I knew Mark saw them too. 
There are many things about this experience that will inform the rest of my life. I am straining to find a lesson, something to impart to you that will make a difference. But I have only learned this. Losing someone you love is beyond heart heartbreaking. It is soul crushing and feels like something from which you will never recover. However, the world looks different when you are in a bubble of grief. It's an improvement over the world before loss. The truth is, the world would be a better place if we treated one another as if we were experiencing a crushing loss. Number one, we would talk less. Number two, we would choose our words more carefully. Number three, we would observe what's happening more closely. Number four, we would eat more carbs. <laughs> Number five, we would hug more and for longer periods. Number six, we would let a lot of bullshit go. Number seven, we would be more tuned into one another's pain. Number eight, we would cry more freely. Number nine, we would focus on what's really important. Number 10, we would care more deeply. Number 11, we would be more forgiving of ourselves and others. Number 12, we would be less critical about stupid things. Number 13, we would be more deeply connected to stillness. Perhaps we can incorporate these honest, tender ways into our lives right now and trust that by creating more avenues for love and acceptance, we are getting closer to our truth, our worth, our deepest selves. I will continue to grieve for as long as I need to. And while I grieve, I will grow. Nora's book is called Be Still and Soar. You can get the book on Amazon. If you would like to work with Nora, she is amazing. You can find her at www.norapleasant.com. That's N-O-R-A-P-L-E-S-E-N-T.com. I'll put those links in the show notes for today. Okay, that's it for today's episode. Until next week, believe in the possibilities. Thank you so much for listening to Widow 180, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you're seeking daily inspiration and guidance, you can follow me on Facebook at Widow 180, the community, on YouTube at Widow 180, the channel, and on Instagram at Widow 180. If you're interested in more grief and widowhood resources, including our latest freebie, How to Get Your Life Back Together After Loss, a 10-step checklist, head over to www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. That's www.widow180.com forward slash freebie.